0: My name is Cody Elling, and I've been attending Napoleon Church of the Nazarene since 2010. I grew up going to church with my family, took part in serving, and there was always just a void. uh, Something that I was missing. When I was a sophomore in high school, my brother received a guitar for Christmas, and my parents asked me if I had any interest in tagging along with him. I thought, yeah, that might be kind of neat to see. When I attended uh, his guitar lesson, the teacher offered for me to, to try and uh, I, I picked it up and just started playing pretty much exactly what he had been showing and he thought, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty good. It took me about three months to learn the basics of guitar um, to where I could really play somewhat efficiently. Um, I was learning songs very quickly. My teacher was a bluegrass and country player um, and that really wasn't what I was too interested in. And so at that point he said, I think it's time for you to to start learning on your own. I've pretty much taught you everything that I know. So it was at that time that I really turned my attention towards myself. I would go home and, and get on the computer and, and look up um, different lessons on video, pretty much learning any popular thing that I could think of. I began to play many different genres of music to deal with all the emotions that go along with being a teenager. Uh, when I was angry, I had something that I, could, that I could play. And when I was sad, there was another song. All these different emotions would come out through my music, and, and my music was very self-serving at the time. It was through all those hours of practice of just over and over different songs um, that my parents had to endure. They kind of finally said, you know, why don't you, why don't you think about using your gift for the church? And, and I thought to myself, you know, that's, that really doesn't do anything for me. I don't really have any interest in serving in the church. So At that point, my first experience with serving in the church happened. Um, I was very young and immature. I basically did it because I felt like I had to. There wasn't much growth or much joy. In college, I was able to get together with a group of people and, and finally start to piece together the idea of serving in the church and growing as a Christian, I started to turn my focuses back towards scripture and I started to understand what I was singing, what I was playing, and then it all became very clear to me. There's a psalm, Psalm 37 4, that says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. All this time having this gift, the desire of my heart had been to serve myself. In worship, we talk about perfection versus excellence. And uh, when you think about perfection, it's, it's very self-serving. It's, it's trying to become something that you can never be. And, and when we talk about excellence, excellence is striving towards a common goal. And when we talk about it in a worship setting, we're just here to serve the Lord. A lot of times we find that when we just let Him take control, anything we were doing before doesn't compare to what He has in store for us. I think of the parable in Matthew, where it talks about the talents and the the different gifts that God has um, given us and how it's our responsibility to to not bury those talents but to use those talents and to further them, to grow. That was something that I had to work on as I grew up. God really put a passion in my life to further uh, my skills. Uh, I started to learn different instruments. I began teaching others how to play different instruments as well. You know, once I really realigned my focus and, and found out what my purpose was, everything just sort of clicked and it just really has taken off since then. I have a full-time job. Um, I'm, I'm a husband and a father, and it just seems like life pulls you in so many different directions. God has given me the gift of, of music and He's entrusted me to, to use that gift to further His kingdom. And since then, he's given me so many blessings. And, and I just feel that it's impossible to ignore one of the very first things that he provided me. I mean, that's really how, how I came to a relationship with him, is, is through this gift that he had given me. I can't begin to tell you how much joy worshiping gives me. Um, just this place that we come together as a congregation and we get to just exalt and praise his name and I get to be a part of that, you know, when I see some of the younger kids getting baptized or, or I see someone come up and write down on their prayer card. I know that's not because of what I'm doing up on stage, but I'm just so excited that God has invited me to be along for that ride.
1: So this month is uh, centered around this one word, sent to open the pages of scripture, to read about God's story in our world and then how that affects me and it becomes my story, and to understand what God is wanting to do and how he's running to write my story, you would quickly, as you read through the New Testament, you would come in contact over and over with this idea that God is wanting to do far more than just... Um, change our lives, save our lives, as absolutely essential as that is. We would read in Scripture, and even at the, at the evolution of the, the new church beginning, we realize that God has always, always had a plan, and that plan is for us to not only become His children, to become a part of His family, to, uh, to make the body of Christ but to then be used by him in powerful ways to be his hands, his feet in this world. He uses terms like, I want you to be the salt of the earth. I want you to be that preservative influence in a decaying, rotting world because of the the sinful, fallen nature of our world. It's decaying, it's rotting, and I want you to preserve it through the way that you live, through you marrying my image and living out my life in your world. You preserve it. You bring uh, preservative back to it, and you can stop the decay and the rot. He uses phrases like, I want you to be the light of the world, this world that lives in darkness and doesn't know where it's going and can't figure out what this is all about and is is always just basically bumping into itself, always because it's in darkness. I want you to shine a light so that they can see that this whole world has been centered around the idea that God who created is the God who came into our world to rescue us, to save us, to restore us us to reconcile us back into relationship with him you are to light shine the light of the gospel into the world and I can't think of a better verse for us to grab a hold of than that verse in John where Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling us he starts with them but it's a broader message to all of us and he says this as the father has sent me I am sending you And so my my hope this month is for you and I just to kind of marinate, so to speak, once again, in what it means to be sent, what it means to be as a believer, a Christ follower, to know that a part of what that all is, is that I am a sent person. I've used this quote before, but it's one of my favorite quotes in all the world. Some of you will remember it. Um, But Kirby John Caldwell says this. There are two great moments in a person's life, the moment you were born and the moment you realize why you were born. The moment you're born and the moment you realize why you were born. You see, the way we're constructed and made in the image of God and the, our DNA, it begs. It begs for us to find purpose, to find meaning, to find significance. And we quickly realize that life centered on ourselves, lived out only for ourselves, is a life that becomes empty and it becomes um, void of, of what we're really about. Our world, even though it's lost and it hasn't found the gospel of Jesus Christ, it gets this. And that's why every day all around, especially in the United States, there's all sorts of philanth, you know what I'm trying to say. Good causes, right? Beneficial causes. I can't say that word right now. But uh, there, we, we realize, you know, it's the Bill and Melinda Gates of the world who are not believers but realize that they have been giving extraordinary resources and they find great, great satisfaction in realizing that they were supposed to use that those resources for the common good. of man. it's just kind of wired into us. We realize even believers can get the idea that our lives were meant to have purpose, meaning, significance, and that actually we begin to really, Live when we live outside of ourselves. Well, the scriptures all along said, Hey, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how you were created. In fact, that you find in your life in Jesus Christ that you can tap into something uh, so powerful and so fulfilling and so meaningful. There's two streams I want to talk about, though, if I kind of introduce the idea sent last week. Um, t- two streams I want to spend time with this Sunday and next. There's this idea in scripture, if you read through the, through the New Testament, you're introduced in about four different places, five different places, this idea of uh, such as uh, what uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse four, would say. He introduced this idea that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Romans chapter 12 would say this, we have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. And to understand what it means to be a Christ follower, to understand what this whole idea of the Christian faith is, is to understand that God not only has redeemed your life and given you new life and now is, is leading your life in a completely different way, old things are passed away, new things are becoming, or all things are becoming new to you. You all of a sudden have tapped into what it means to live life as it was meant to be lived, where you uh, you now have power in your life to uh, to not be bound by sin, to uh, understand what it means to truly love, love God, love yourself, and love others, and you tapped into that, but as you would read through the scriptures you would begin to you would begin to see that at multiple occasions God introduces to us this idea that not only have you all that but you actually have been given this idea of a gift or gifts And I want to remind you today of those things, to remind you that each one of you, if you are in Christ, the moment you are in Christ, you have been given, sovereignly you have been given a gift by God that he wants and calls you to use. And I would say that most of us probably have more than one gift, maybe not, but at least uh, the abilities to do multiple things, and they might fit into the gift categories. Now, I want to remind you that a spiritual gift is not the same as spiritual fruit. You see this little slide? That took me like 10 minutes. That should take like 10 seconds, right, to type out. Does anybody? Can anybody tell me how you put the cross thing through the equal sign? I don't know how to do that. I literally agonize, like, how do I figure out on the keyboard? Because that's supposed to say spiritual gifts are not equal to spiritual fruit. So I just put them side by side. You guys can put them together in your mind, all right? And somebody maybe after service can tell me how to do that. Spiritual fruit is what God is always doing. It's the character of our life. It's the development of our life. Spiritual gift is different than that. It's different than spiritual fruit, Okay, We just need to realize that. A second thing I want to remind you of is the words that are used. Corinthians uses a little different word than Romans, but the word in Romans is charismata, and it's grace gift. This idea of the gift that you've been given is that they are truly a gift. They are sovereignly and undeservedly That was Ben, wasn't it? Yeah. This is my life week in and week out. I kid you not. I spend 30 minutes on something and I ask Ben, it takes him 10 seconds. That's my life. There you go, snapshot. <laughs> Thank you, there you go. But the next slide would, would remind us of That this word that's used, this gift that you've given, it's not something that you can earn. It's not even something that you get to pick. God sovereignly chooses the gift that he's given to you. And guess what? You don't have to be a Christian for 10 years before you're given the gift. You don't have to uh, have a certain amount of, of good service to God before you're given the gift. You are sovereignly and undeservedly given a gift by God. Every Christian, you're given this gift. It's not, hey, what's God doing in my life? He's changing me. That's great. That's spiritual fruit. It's you have been given a gift. Can you just sit for a moment and take that in? Have you really really come to terms with that? Do you believe that this morning? Do you know that this morning, that the moment you began to walk with Jesus Christ, he gave you a gift Sovereignly, uh, we would actually define it like this. I love this definition. A gift, a spiritual gift, is a, um, is a supernatural ability given by God to do God's work on this earth. You have been given a supernatural ability. You did not know this, but in, in some sense, Marvel superheroes have no, have no leg up on you. You know, we've talked about this so many times through the years, You've, you are familiar with this. But you know, this week, I've just been soaking this in again and, and praying, Lord, help us all to grab a hold of the reality that you have supernaturally given us a gift. You've given us the ability to do something that's beyond the natural. It's spiritual in nature, and it, as we talked about last week, because Jesus has given us all authority, this, uh, this gift can be used in ways that it suspends this fallen, dark uh, world that it just seems like you are what you are and you do what you are and it is what it is no the grace of God changes stuff it literally redeems stuff and the gift he's given you has he uses to do that it's supernatural in nature you you have a supernatural gift from God do you know what that is I love this phrase from Rick Warren. God has a purpose for your life. You'd expect Rick Warren to talk about purpose, right? God has a purpose for your life, and your spiritual gifts are the equipment he gives you to do what he asks you to do. God will never ask you to do something he doesn't give you the ability to do. Given the moment you accept Christ, something you don't earn, and it's something that's not for your benefit. It's your spiritual gifts are given to you to help other people, the other people in your church family, and they have been giving gifts to help you in your church family. Brandon Hatmaker would say it this way, do not insult the giver of the gift by leaving the gift undiscovered and unused. I mean, if you look through the scriptures, there's no doubt that there would be plenty of excuses that those people we read about could use. Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair and all kinds of family problems. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. Timothy was timid. I mean, there's all sorts of excuses through Scripture of why I can't be used by God or this disqualifies me or I'm not going to take that step of faith and believe that God has given me something to be used. And yet, they all embrace the idea that God was going to use them in a particular way. Our gifts are kind of like in this sequence. God calls us to discover them, to dedicate them to him, to understand that they're not for our um, the gifts that God gives to us, there's not for our popularity, our fame, our, it's, it's given, it's dedicated to the benefit of others. They're called to be developed and then he wants to deploy them into the family of God. Now, it's important that we realize a distinction. When I read about the spiritual gifts, It's always in the context of the body of Christ. Right? I'm amazed. It's always in the context of the body of Christ. For you are members one of another. And it would seem to be that to understand our lives, we understand that our gifts given by God are primarily to benefit, to edify the body of Christ. To make the body strong, healthy, whole, vibrant. And the body of Christ then reveals to the the world the glory of God and the hope of the gospel. You see, a lot of times we think about our gifts and we think about something else. And and I like this acronym. I didn't come up with this, but I love this this acronym to think about our lives. It's, it's, It's this word shape, this word shape. To understand my purpose in life is to think of it in these five ways. One is my spiritual gift. You must let God lead you to areas of service in your church or local body of believers and use these spiritual gifts. When you use them, people are edified, God is honored, and you're fulfilled. But there's another piece of us It's our heart, right? Uh, Our heart reveals our passions, our dreams, our desires. It's what drives you. It's who you deeply care about, the needs you desire to meet, the causes you deeply wish to conquer. To discover your passion, to find the things that make you happy when you do them, to find the change you most desire to see in the world. If you can quickly answer what do you hate most about the world, you probably have the solution to that problem. That is your passion, your desire. And so not only have you been given gifts, but a holistic look at who we are is to understand our passion because God who wants to use our spiritual gifts in the context of of our community of believers to edify and build one another up. Also at, and this is what we're going to look at more next week and the next week he uses our lives and our passions the way he's wired us to be sent into the world and it might be something that's not in the context of my church but it's a passion it's a desire that I have that I know that God wants me he wants to use me to make an effect change in this certain area There's also ability. Hey, God has given us each the ability to do some things well. Each of us has talents which are natural to us. I'm not talking about gifts. God has given us these talents with our purpose in view. A lot of times abilities can be acquired and learned. And maybe just because of the context of your life, you have learned to have certain abilities And God does not waste abilities. And part of how he's calling you into the world is he is taking those natural talents that you have and he wants you to use them to do what? To make disciples. And this might be a, a little bit, distant from your spiritual gift it might not be the same thing often it kind of overlaps but there are certain things abilities that God has given us that he uses through our lives to help us to make disciples in the world there's personality right your personality refers to your character your temperament um Whether you're introverted, extroverted, outgoing, reserved, self self or self-controlled, cooperative or competitive, (laughs) um, solo or team player, uh, they're all determined by your personality, which are all keys to your design and thus your purpose. And there's your experience. We've all been shaped by our experiences in lives. Most of, a lot of times, of which have been beyond our control. But God allows the experiences that we go to to shape and mold us, and then he uses those experiences in our purpose for our life. You see, I I think it's important for us to think in two different ways. God has called us to be sent into this world, and we're going to talk about that next week, using these abilities and talents and and certain things. Um, But then there's this idea of spiritual gifts, And I am, you know, hey, I'm growing here. I'm learning every day, trying to every week. But it seems to me in all that I study, in the context I read the scriptures, and the the guys that I try to fill my mind with, that spiritual gifts are primarily given for the edification of the body. And you've been given one. And God is calling you to use it. Let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Seven and eight. We have been given different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, and then he begins to go into these particular gifts. You would read um, there's different places where gifts are mentioned. I think there's about twenty that are um, that are that are recorded. Twenty different kind of gifts. I'm not sure that there's not. I don't know. I don't want to go that far, but um, the scriptures talk about twenty gifts. But it seems like Romans talks about this, these core gifts that the others kind of fall underneath the umbrella of. And I feel confident this morning in saying that as you look at Romans, your gift, the, super, the spiritual gift that you've been given by God, falls under this umbrella of these gifts that have been given. And what are they this morning? Prophecy. If you've been given, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Prophecy is this divine enablement to proclaim God's truth with power and clarity in a timely and a culturally sensitive fashion. To correct, to call to repentance, or to edify believers. It's the ability to reveal God's word accurately he says if it's let me let me just read through these if it's serving then serve if it's teaching then teach if it's to encourage then give encouragement if it's giving then to give generously if it's to lead then to lead diligently if it's to show mercy to do it cheerfully I think what is being said here is that all of us naturally gravitate. The gift that we've been given fall under this umbrella. I'm an encourager. I'm a, teacher I'm a giver I'm one who just naturally it's I'm compassionate I show mercy and I'm the person that in the context of the body of uh, community of believers that when somebody is hurting it's just naturally my gift to be able to come alongside them and walk with them and pour mercy and love into their life those are the ones and so as we look at them uh, prophesying uh, it's asking. It's answering this question. We naturally, those who have been given the gift of prophecy, and when I say prophecy, a lot of times we think of in the prophetic sense. We kind of have this idea that it's they're able to tell the future, right? The whole thing through the Old Testament. A prophet, uh, he was a prophet because he could accurately foretell events. That's what made him a legitimate prophet. But the idea of prophecy here is just the ability to proclaim God's word. And people who have been given the gift to prophesy are people who naturally answer, ask these questions. Well, what went wrong? What caused that? Why is it like this? And how do we change this? Obviously, somebody like myself uh, would be given the gift of prophecy. It's the idea of being able to proclaim God's word to try to draw people to repentance and to be edified, right? So I'm just always in that world of what does this mean and what caused this and what went wrong, what needs to be proclaimed from God's word to help us see how this can be changed. But then he says, um, he introduces this gift of serving. If it's serving, then serve. And service is the divine enablement to attach spiritual value to the accomplishment of physical tasks within the body of Christ. The ability to just demonstrate love by meeting practical needs. And this, people with this gift, what? can I do to help? Now, there is a general sense. We're going to talk about this next week, where all of us are called to serve, right? Jesus is the model. To be sent into the world is to follow Jesus. He was sent, we're sent, and we follow his example. And so we are the people who are willing to wash feet, We are servants. We follow our servant leader. And so we all are called to serve. But evidently beyond that, some of you have been given a supernatural gift of serving. You just naturally are able to above and beyond and in special ways and just the way your discernment works. God just gives you this ability to see where you can plug in and meet practical needs in people's lives. Have any of you ever been graciously gifted by someone who has the gift of serving? I have. I've watched it as a pastor. I've seen people, all all of us are called to serve, but some just have this ability, this gift. They just know. They know what the needs are. They know what needs to happen to meet that needs. They just are wired in such a special way. I can't even start to name names in this building right now that it seems evident to me that God has given you the gift of service, of serving. Of serving. He says, if if it's teaching, then teach, teaching the divine enablement to understand and give detailed explanation of biblical truth, the ability to search out and validate truth which has been presented. People are always asking the question, why or where did you get that or what is truth? and absolutely represented in this room today, there are those of you that have been given the ability to teach. And the body of Christ and Nap absolutely needs people who use that gift they've been given, that when you walk out of a class they've been in, you say, you know what? That was insightful. That helped me to see what God is saying that helped me to understand the principles of God's Word, that helped me to understand how life is lived through a biblical lens. That also calls for those of you who have been given this gift to, uh, to, to understand, as scripture would later say, that those who teach have a greater responsibility. And to realize God has given you this gift to be used to edify the rest of the body and to embrace it, to take it seriously and sober and to realize God uses that in a very effective way. He goes on and says what? If it's encouragement to encourage. Encouragement is the divine enablement to come alongside another in need of encouragement, to reassure, to strengthen, to affirm, to challenge those who are discouraged or wavering in their faith. Ability to stimulate the faith of others. And they're asking this question, encouragement, what must be done to fix this? You know, I think of this in the way as I I look at a a good coach. A good coach is someone who figures out how to motivate, to inspire, to tap into each one of their players and understand their particular psyche, their particular makeup, and he figures out how can I communicate to them, how can I encourage them them to be the very best they can be I think that's I actually think that's what a coach should look like in real life I'm more of a John Wooden guy than a Bobby Knight guy some of you know what I'm talking about but um, I am telling you all across this room God has given the supernatural gift of encouragement to some of you And the body of Christ desperately needs that. Desperately needs that. Someone who comes along, listen to these words, to reassure, to strengthen, to affirm, and sometimes to challenge somebody. Have you ever seen this at work? Have you ever experienced this? Have you ever used, you know this is my gift, Chip, and I've used it? And the powerful way that you walk away and say, you know what? God used me. That person was wavering in their faith. They were discouraged in their faith. They were thinking about quitting or they were just jaded in their mindset. They were full of doubt. They were despairing. And God used me, used the gift that he stirred up in me to just help them to be encouraged, to be affirmed, to be strengthened. You guys are just staring at me today. I'll get this over fast. This gift is all over and it's desperately needed in our body of believers. Have you embraced the fact that maybe some of you have been given the gift of encouragement and not only have you been given it, are you using it? Because when you use it, you strengthen that person and that person and they're stronger and they use their gift in a particular way to strengthen and all over the place as we're members one of another and as we use our gift, it is for the mutual uh, um, benefit of the body. It edifies us, it makes us strong and healthy and in that way we can grow more mature in Christ and we can serve the world around us. And many times churches suffer and cripple along and are not as healthy as they are because many people in their congregation have a gift of encouragement and yet they stay silent. They don't allow that gift to be used. They don't take that step. They don't make that approach. They don't have that conversation because maybe they're fearful or they they just don't believe that God has truly given them the ability to edify somebody else. And so somebody lives crippled and despairing and stumbling along and never strong. If you've been given the gift of encouragement, encourage. Giving, if you've been given the gift of giving to give, it's the divine enablement to earn money, to manage it well, and wisely contribute to the work of the Lord with cheerfulness and liberality. The ability to to entrust personal assets to others for the furtherance of their ministry. What can I give to meet the need? We all want to sign up for this gift, right? (laughs) I've had so many conversations with people like, well, I'd love to have the gift of giving because that means I have, you know. Sign me up for that one. I've seen this at work. It's a scriptural principle. This word that is true. It does not lie. It sees something about life we all need to see. God absolutely blesses some of you because He's given you the gift to give. What well, I don't understand it. I've talked. I have talked to people I've pastored, and they say I don't understand. I'm just doing what I do, and I mean just blessing. What well, I, I, that deal? How did that? Why well, I don't? I don't deserve that. Like, I just keep, I keep doing this, and it just like, I'm just, they just look at me and say, I'm just blessed. I'm saying, yeah, probably God's in that. And God's wanting to use you. you. You're the gift of giving. God blesses because people have been given the gift to give. There is a scriptural principle of sacrificial giving, Right? Uh, Jesus was enthralled by the woman who gave the the two mites, and he said, wow, that's giving. So all of us give, but some of us have particularly been given the gift. And you know what? Those people with that gift, even sometimes if they, they don't have a ton, but they know they're supposed to give, they just don't. They have just faith, like, oh, that hurts. I don't know if I can afford that. God will provide. God always provides. God, they just have that ability to give and not. And some of you today I'm talking to, you've been given this gift. Are you using it to edify the body? Leadership, I've been called to lead, to do it Diligently. The divine enablement to see what needs to be done to set goals and attract and lead and motivate people to accomplish the work of the ministry. The ability to coordinate <laughs> the, ability, the activities of others for the achievement of a common goal. People with this gift are always asking, where's the goal? What's the goal? What, what do we need to do to get? Let's, uh, some of you are leaders. You absolutely have been called to step up and lead. God wants to use your ability to coordinate, bring people together, lead toward a common goal. And the body desperately needs leaders. There are ministries in this church that need more leaders, people who have that ability just naturally that need you to say, hey, children's department, sign me up. Give me this. I'll, I'll take this whole thing. Just let, I'll coordinate it. I'll make it happen. You resource it, you make sure, but I'll, just give it to me, I want it. Don't you love those kind of people? I love those kind of people who just walk up to me and say, hey, I want that. Just give me that. Get out of my way, right? I've actually learned in leadership, as I have grown as a person, that you find good people, passionate people about something, and you get out of their way, and you just resource them. What do you need and leaders are the kind of people that you're saying, What do you need? Because you can tell they just give me that. I'll coordinate it, I'll make it happen. All through this room today, there are people with the gift of leadership. The church desperately needs that gift. Mercy. Mercy is the last one he mentioned. Obviously, we all are called to be merciful, right? But some of us have a particular gift given by God that we just pour out compassion. We just, I mean, it just flows out of us. We know how to sympathize, empathize, be there for somebody, cry with them, just just support them in such a deep way. It's the divine enablement to minister cheerfully and appropriately to people who are suffering or undeserving and to spare them from punishment or consequences justly deserved. The ability to identify with and comfort those who are in distress. Some of you just, mercy just flows out of you. Probably some of you You haven't even realized this and maybe you haven't taken the step of really believing this is my gift from God, supernaturally given. (laughs) The church of all places needs to be a place that's full of compassion. It's full. We're all called to love. We're all called to be merciful. But we are led in mercy by those of you that have been gifted that way. Those of you that are gifted in this special way, you just cause all of us to be like, wow. It just draws compassion out of us. It causes us to be more compassionate as you lead the way and showing us what it means to love those who suffer, to come alongside those who are uh, in, in trouble and to just love on them in an unbelievable way. Commencement speakers are always telling young people to follow their passions. David Brooks writes about this. He's an author and columnist for the New York Times. They always say, be true to yourself. This is a vision of life that begin, but David Brooks says, this is a vision of life that begins with self and ends with self. David Brooks has observed, but people on the road to character growth do not find their vocations by asking What do I want from life? They ask, what is life asking of me? How can I match my intrinsic talent with one of the world's deep needs? What is life asking of me? In Italy, uh, most experts believe the best violins in the world are made and kept. And there's a man named Andrea who has the tall task of keeping, there's a certain place in Italy where there is just an unbelievable collection of violins, the, 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 uh, the best violins ever made in the world. And this guy has the, uh, the one job. For the past 30 years, This old musician has gone into the museum where all these violins are kept. And each morning before the museum opens to the public, Andrea plays each violin for six to seven minutes. He starts with the basic music scales and then makes his way to Bach and uh, uh, Bartok. And over the course of an hour, he plays three violins, uh, all the biggest names, Stradivari, Stradivari, All the biggest names. That's his job. He just goes in and gets to play this violin and this violin. Why does he do this day in and day out? Because a violin needs to be played to perform at its best level. The wood gets tired, the wood gets tired if it's not used. What is it, one of the laws of the world, the universe? Something that is in motion, stays in motion. I'm starting to realize that. Play basketball, play three or four games and I sit down. I can't do that anymore, I just gotta keep moving, right? We are called to be in motion, to stay in motion, to use what God's given to us. And when we don't, we get tired. We get disillusioned. We just kind of, God's called us to a life far beyond that. Because being sent is, reali- is realizing God's purpose and living it out. Part of being sent is realizing that you've been given a spiritual gift to edify the church. Father, speak to us today. Help us to continue to soak this in and think about this, to understand what it supernatural gift you've given to us and then how we can use that to discover, to dedicate to you, to develop, and then to deploy. Lord, this church desperately needs all of us on board, but when we all are, it is such a healthy thriving, vibrant organism that this whole community will see the glory of God when we use, each one of us, our spiritual gifts. Speak to us, grow us, and use us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day and happy Mother's Day to all of you, Mother's